Insight in Berlin is in the books. Um, I am pretty exhausted at this point. How's everyone else doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, th- this is the part of, of the trade shows where the trade shows begin to win the battle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it happens every single trade show I do. Uh, you, can, you can fight the fight for uh, two or three days, but uh, you, there's only so long you can run hard. But uh, today, today was, was really, really a lot of fun for me personally. Andrew and I got an opportunity to sit down and, and finally settle the score once and for all. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Andrew bested me. Uh, v- VMware apparently is no, the hypervisor. No, no, Andrew did not best you. VMware bested Hyper-V. Whoop, whoop. In all honesty, though, uh, you know we, we've done that session four times now, and every single time, right, we, we had to come up with an excuse as to why one or the other won, because really it was it was extremely close. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, you could call it a tie. And uh, honestly, that in itself is a win for Hyper-V, considering the, the vast contrast, you know, about three or four years ago. That never would have been close. Yeah, no. Well, and, and, and I think it's, it's kind of worth looking at. You know, Andrew and I just got out of the general session, uh, the, the day three general, with big hits up, up on the stage once again. Uh, it was uh, basically the same thing we saw in the, in the U.S. event. Uh, only with a you know four more weeks of, of opportunity to talk to customers about it, so yep. it had some some new insights based on some day to day conversations uh, that have occurred. And you know the big takeaway there, you know I, I love the way that, that Dave ended that. You know he got up on stage and and he said, you know the number one question I'm getting these days is should I go to the cloud? And I'll tell you what, I'll give you my answer and you can quote me on this. And he just he throws his arms out real wide and as loud as he can just goes. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and, and the really the point there was that there, there's a, we have a ton of customers that are doing some incredible things and they're really moving the needle uh, across the industry and across the world. Sure. Um, but just because it's right for them doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Exactly. And there, the long tail on that is, well, okay, it's working in some places, and when it works, oh, buddy, is it a huge deal. Yeah. Like, it changes everything. It will eventually get to a point where we find its use in all verticals, right? Every industry is going to figure this thing out and, and, and is going to rationalize it in some way, shape, or form. I think Hyper-V is the same thing, you know? You take a look at Hyper-V. If you go back, as you said, Pete, four years ago, Hyper-V had some cool technology, and there were some edge customers, right? Microsoft could bring them up on stage and be like, hey, let me meet you, uh, introduce customer Y. This guy saved a ton of money, and he's, he's got an awesome infrastructure now, and he's super happy, yeah. right? And, but the vast majority of the industry just wouldn't even look at it. You know, they're just like, ah, whatever. You know, the vSphere is going to be this solution forever. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this. You know, this is the who moved my cheese syndrome, right? You know, I don't like change. But, but the truth of the matter is, once you get an opportunity to take a step back, and, and, and this stuff can, can mature for a little bit and, and the terminology can normalize and we can get the language map so people actually understand what the heck we're talking about. Right. All this stuff just, just eventually becomes roughly the same. It, it, it comes down to just a, a, a choice of personal preference, right? So, you know, I'm just happy that uh, virtualization is approaching that time where Dave Hitz believes it's a trend. 
It's, there you go. It's now been about 10 years since fertilization started to take off. And, you know, Dave, one of the things that he said was, you know, it's not a trend until it's been a trend for 10 years. Yeah. And fertilization has definitely hit that mark. Uh, so the things that our customers are doing, the things that we talk to people about here and at the other conferences we attend, right? I've been to, I can't tell you how many conferences this year. They're really exciting stuff, right? As Glenn just said, moving the needle. Right. changing the way that operations are done, making things more efficient, doing more things with their business. And I said this at Insight US, right? Yeah. The unofficial theme of, of this conference for me is IT exists to move the needle. IT exists to help the business. So I, I actually got to talk to a customer today. His name is John Wohn. He's from Vital Energy uh, in, in uh, EMEA. Great guy, loves the podcast. But he said, you guys need to do the vSphere versus Hyper-V as a full episode on the podcast. So... Uh, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for the vSphere representation on that one. So whenever you guys want to have me come back, <laughs> okay. I think we need to have that. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's make that happen. Yeah. So shout out to John. I also had a really cool conversation today with one of our, one of our partners uh, from Hammer PLC, uh, a guy named Bino Thomas. Oh, my goodness. We talked about 20 minutes with this guy and uh, tons of great feedback about the podcast. Super fan, super, super uh, fan of NetApp. Uh, and just really excited about the podcast. One of the things he said that I thought was cool was he said every customer meeting that he goes into, yeah. he has a slide on his presentation of the NetApp Tech on Tap podcast. And he tells his customers, you want to learn about NetApp, you need to listen to the podcast because that's the place to listen. And I would, I'll tell you what, I was like, wow, that is really cool. So shout out to Bino. We really, great conversation today and uh, thanks for listening. Absolutely. That's awesome. Man, what about you, real. Justin? What were you up to today? Oh, man, what wasn't I up to? Yeah, earlier I was able to have a conversation with Catherine Von Aachen of Verdata, uh, one of our customer stories with the data fabric and the cloud. She is the director of business development at Verdata, and we just kind of had a little discussion about where they're using the cloud, the way they're using overall data fabric for their foray into the Internet of Things. So just take a listen to this and you know see what you think. All right, I'm sitting here with Verdata's Catherine Von Aachen. She just did a Tech on Tap video of the data fabric story with her and her company, Verdata. Now, Catherine, can you tell me a little bit about what you do and what Verdata is? Yeah, so I am responsible for business development for our services, and we are an IoT platform provider. We provide managed services to help enterprises, corporates, across different industries building their IoT strategy. And what makes us very unique is that we offer hyperscale because that's what IoT is about. It's about connecting billions of things. And on top of that, we also allow them to use big data, the latest big data technology, which is Spark versus Hadoop. We, we chose Spark very early on, three years ago. And now you see that big players are also buying into Spark. And why Spark? It's because it's not only about connecting things, it's about gathering the data that comes out of these things. And it's about analyzing that real time so that you can take an action real time on that data. We offer this in a cloud environment with cloud native technologies. And a lot of what we do is open source, but we've also we can also offer this in different deployment models because we use OpenStack. So today we are delivering in a public cloud, we are delivering it on software in AWS, but we can do this on any OpenStack uh, environment. And that's why we can also deliver it through NetApp on uh, FlexPot because it has these OpenStack features. Interesting, you're using OpenStack. Now, my knowledge of OpenStack is that it can be very difficult. 
How are you simplifying this process for your customers from both a business perspective and a technology perspective? So, actually we have simplified everything. You can connect things literally in half an hour. You can connect your phone if you want. To We have a try and buy policy and you, we offer a sandbox approach to facilitate that learning experience. And you can download our libraries and install it on your sensor or your device. And from that moment on, you are literally communicating data to our platform. And then you have an interface, we call it our partner portal, where you can play with widgets to see which data you're interested in and how you want to present that on a dashboard. And from there on, typically customers start looking at what do they want to do strategically with IoT? Do they want to save costs? Um, do they want to launch a new business model? And that's typically the, the moment that they start talking to us. So we first let them play with it, that they feel comfortable. And some, after six months, they're still not talking to us and we see them building their own applications using our data. And some from the beginning want to have a conversation with us and they want more that we help them with the tools and, and, and the business logic behind it. Okay, so it's a really streamlined approach. You're actually making this easy for people to use and for people to buy, which is really the most important part from a business perspective because if I can't buy it, I can't give you my money, right? Um, so the data fabric, you know, this is something that we've been talking about here at Insight and just in general. How is that impacting how you do things at Verdata? Well, for us, it's, I mean, the essence of IoT, and I say that it sounds maybe awkward when I say that, it's not about the things. It's about data that becomes liquid and that flows from one environment to the other. And in the future, you will see that companies blend their data with each other. Yeah. Um, for example, an insurance company might work together with a car company. The car company is capturing the data that comes out of the car and the insurance company is giving you a better policy. So it's about fluidity of data in different environments. And that is what the data fabric is offering us. It offers us to put that data anywhere and we can process it wherever we want. We can process it in a corporate environment, in a private environment, with a flex spot. It could be that the data is so sensitive that some companies say, like a healthcare company, we don't want to go public yet. We don't want to be on a shared infrastructure. We want our own infrastructure. And they start from that point and then they could have a hybrid, for example, for bursting capabilities to the cloud. Yeah. So you can, you can really construct your architecture as you wish, and that's what the data fabric is offering us. So the name Verdata, it makes me think of virtue. And with virtue, I think of trust. And how important is trust when it comes to something as important and valuable as data? And I'm going to go ahead and let you drink your coffee first. Okay. I know you've been trying to drink that coffee. And I've been... Uh, uh, yeah, so now, you've, now that you had your coffee, go ahead. So we, we said, how important is trust? That's a very, very good question. Um, it's also a very important question in, in the reality of today where people are becoming very aware of that data, their data is whose data? Is it my data? Is it your data? Is it, and there is sort of this data grabbing thing going on. And that's not just IoT, that's, the internet as it is today. And I think personally that the companies that build trusts and that respect your data 
will be the winners in an IoT environment. Um, because all over the world, consumers are becoming more aware. And I think they are willing to give up a level of privacy if you give them something in return. And that's a balancing act. That means you need to give them value. And what kind of value could that be? That can be, you give me more control over my life. Like for example, you see the whole Fitbit generation. It gives people control over their bodies and their health. That's very powerful. But it means you need to trust that company and you only trust that company if they will respect your data. So that's one area. Control, give people control or help me with the things that are important to me. And I think that's gonna be the essence of how people will share their data in the future. Now, I think there's also another thing to take into account and that is we all have, there is a generational difference on what privacy means and trust means. So you will see a younger generation that has that is a lot more open about their data and that don't necessarily see what the problem would be versus an older generation. And I think now we're talking about the, the millennials, but 10 years from now, we will talk about the natively connected and they will find it absolutely normal that the fridge fills itself up and that your house, the lamps goes go out when you're not at home. They will find that absolutely normal and probably never have realized that before we had a switch. So it's, it's kind of like how we all assume that iPhones are normal and exactly. the internet is normal. So it's, it's very interesting, you know, it sounds like Verdata is really on the cutting edge of the Internet of Things. They're really making forward progress with how things are all wrapping up into one entity. I really appreciate you coming by and, and talking to us. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of Insight, and um, I hope that Verdata continues to do great things with the Internet of Things. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that's pretty good stuff. And, you know, otherwise, I mean, I was just doing my sessions. Um, got one more tomorrow. That'll be all done. But yeah, I just generally just talk to a lot of people talking about the uh, demo we were doing today. Glenn stopped by to check out the demo. I saw the demo. Yeah, he did. I liked the demo. See, he likes the demo. I'm looking forward to when we can actually say what the hell this Hi. demo is. The secret Hi. demo? The yeah. secret demo. <laughs> Good grief. The demo that shall not be named. I think actually after we're able to say it, we just keep referring to it as uh, something. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll say what it is once. A single time. Because we'll, we'll, honestly, we'll actually people say already what it is. know what it is. Yeah, they I do. saw tweets for they it. Do. I'm yeah. like, oh, well, you know, great. Anyway, that was my day. Um, pretty pretty exciting. Also very tiring. I'm, I'm running on empty here. That actually was a very entertaining uh, interview, Justin. That, that was some great information. I love when we get an opportunity to just hear from the customer's mouth what they think. Uh, that, that, that feedback loop where you, you, know, you, you, you give some information, you, they go off and they, they create a business and they, they put it in production for a little bit and then you go ask, so how does it work? And then you find out how it actually works, right? Uh, so, so that feedback mechanism is awesome. Unfortunately, I couldn't join you uh, because we had a little bit of a conflict. While you were doing your thing, uh, I had an opportunity to grab the new CTO of NetApp. What? Yeah, Mark Bregman. Nice. How'd you manage that? Uh, well, I was fortunate enough to be around the Tech on Tap live studio, and, and he came by for his uh, camera work um, uh, and, and did his on-camera interview and nice. afterwards was so gracious enough to join us for a little bit. Uh, so let's just go ahead and drop that here, because let me tell you, this man impressed me in a big way. Uh, I, I, I was very... 
was very enthused coming out of that interview. We, we already have commitment. He's going to come back to the show. We're going to get a long-form interview uh, once we get an opportunity to get on his calendar. Uh, but this will happen. Uh, but we'll just go ahead and let the listeners get a taste now. All right. Joining us now live on the Tech on Tap studio here on Insight Central in Inside of Mia 2015. That's a lot of insights. Uh, is NetApp's newest rock star, Mark Brigman, the new CTO here at NetApp. How are you doing, Mark? Good. I'm enjoying being here, and I think uh, it's, it's probably appropriate to have that many insights because there's a lot of insight to be gained here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, so I kind of want to start this off. Uh, I'm curious. What was it about what we were doing at NetApp that, that caught your attention, that, that made you kind of step up and say, you know what, I want to be part of that? Well, I think the, the, the world of storage is in the midst of an amazing transformation. I mean, the transformation to the cloud, the transformation based on new technologies like Flash, uh, the impact of entire shift in the programming model to third platform, oh, yeah. uh, big data, the changing nature of data, all of those factors, all at once, kind of colliding right in the middle is storage. So it's an amazing market to be in. NetApp itself, I think, is quite an amazing company. Here's a company that 20 some years ago created an entirely new market, new segment of the market with the filers and NAS and the concept of an appliance. Uh, very successful, transformed the industry, uh, caught a second wave as virtualization came along and was again very, very successful. And now as we see this new transformation taking place, I want to be part of a company that had great talent, great technology, great customers, and is poised to be part of that new transformation. Outstanding. Uh, so, you mentioned one of our favorite topics on on the podcast, Platform Three, and this this whole transition and the pivot. You know, we we we've we've got this whole body of life experience. You know, doing traditional IT scale up and enterprise applications, and and we're we're in this place now where, as you mentioned, there's a transition, and everyone knows it, but. No one's really quite figured out yet how to wrap their head around when and how they're going to get that done. What do you see coming on the horizon that, that, that's going to be that, that accelerator that makes that possible, that, that causes that big pivot? Or has it already occurred and, and it's just a matter of, you know, it takes a while for us to be able to track this stuff sufficiently to see that, you know, it's happened. Well, I, I think there are a couple of things. Um, over the last several years, I've been involved in other companies that have gone through transformations from sort of the traditional enterprise IT world to the new DevOps, agile, iterative world. And while that's understood in terms of how to develop software, you actually have to run your business that way. Yeah. So not knowing exactly where we're going, that's okay. I'm very comfortable with that. We know what our long-term destina destination is. We just don't know the detailed roadmap. And so at every intersection, we kind of have to rethink which way we're headed. That's fine. The interesting challenge is how do we internalize that in our culture. Here's, again, a company that's been very successful over the years following sort of the traditional IT model. Yeah. Now the model's thrown up in the air. We have to adapt very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, that, that's the thing that really catches my attention. You know, you, you, you can see, physically see some of those changes as they occur. You know, the, 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 the cadence at which we're releasing major versions of software has significantly reduced. You know, over the past two years, we've gone from 24-month release cycles to we're at the point now where we get a new major ONTAP release every six months. You know, it, I don't know that we could push much harder. You know, being uh, uh, as you mentioned, the storage tier in the architecture. You know, it's 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 a high-risk place to be. 
we're the only layer that's not allowed to ever fail ever under any circumstance. Everyone else can become a smoking hole, but if we have tiny problems, then everything breaks. Well, I think you make a good point. I mean, you know, if, if somebody's uh, compute node goes down, well, recalculate it. Yeah. You know, if the network goes down, well, I'll store stuff and I'll send it when it's available. But if we lose the data, it's gone forever. So there is a slight difference. On the other hand, I think that we're seeing uh, application models in which people are willing to take a little bit more risk in order to get to market faster. And that's something we have to figure out how to balance. Balance between rock solid, slow, methodical, the old model of IT, and kind of the throw it at the wall and see if it sticks, new model of IT. The new model of, of try things and if it doesn't work, try it again. Maybe that's not suitable for core application data, but it might be perfectly reasonable for certain new kinds of emerging IoT applications. Yeah. Uh, a good example of that is in my last uh, company, we stored every transaction, we handled about 30% of the internet's traffic, and we stored every transaction because we thought it would be useful. Well, if we lost an hour's worth of data, it would sort of average out in the wash. It wasn't that important. If you're a bank yeah. and you lose five minutes of credit card transactions, that's a big deal. So understanding that difference and applying different approaches is going to be a critical factor in how successful we can be at moving quickly. Yeah, that, that, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that you mentioned that because that's been the one thing that I've kind of struggled with a little bit. You know, taking a look at, at you know, microservices and, and platform three transformations, the, that model is very well suited to when you can afford to lose something, you know, but 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 taking that model and and using it in those use cases where that's not the case, right? You need asset compliance, you need transactional consistency, you know, there there that's where I start to get super interested and really engaged because that's where I think we're doing some really innovative stuff, like the work that we're doing with Cluster HQ and around Docker and trying to help that world realize how to bring persistence data storage into these massive scale-out microservices environment. I think you're pointing out one of the reasons I came to NetApp. Here's, here's an opportunity to embrace these new approaches, whether it be microservices, um, agile, yeah. iterative development, move very quickly, try things, fail fast, all that new stuff but at the same time bring the heritage of rock solid persistent data. And you know there are very few players out there that can say that. There are lots of new players who are all about the cool new stuff, but they don't really understand how to be reliable yeah. and, and resilient and persistent. And there are lots of players who've built up an, uh, a legacy business, but they're not really able to be agile or they haven't learned how to do that yet. So we're kind of in the middle, and I think that puts us in a very unique position to bridge the gap from that old, slow-moving, legacy world, which can't keep up with change anymore, yeah. and the new world, which wants to move very quickly, but we can't tolerate failure in certain areas. I think that's a real opportunity for us. Yeah, the, uh, I, I first heard it from, Val, from our very own uh, Val Bercovici, uh, but, but it was originally coined by Pat Gelsinger at, at VMworld this past year, but, but I love the phrase because it, it, it kind of encompasses what you just described, which is, uh, innovate like a startup, but deploy like an enterprise. No, I think that, that captures it. I mean, how can we move quickly, try things, and innovate, and really push the envelope of new opportunities, but at the same time be a grown-up? You know, in some ways, we're surrounded by lots of startups, and, and they're doing cool stuff. They're the, they're the teenagers, they've got blue hair, and they're doing cool stuff. We have to be able to interact in that world and get along with them, we also have to bring the, the heritage that we have of 25 years of experience building rock solid enterprise storage. You know, 
I want to I want to transition a little bit here because because there's there's some other things that that uh, have started to happen inside NetApp and and they've been driven very largely out of uh, your office uh, in in the advanced technology group on, underneath there, uh, but but lately we've seen NetApp start to participate much more in the open source community and and, and willingness to invest in uh, technology that we will never own that IP belongs to the world and it always will be. You know, can you speak a little bit to, to what caused that transition and, and, and what, we're, what we're seeing as a result of it? Sure, I mean, I think, uh, I think embracing open source is going to be critical to our success going forward for several reasons. You know, there's a great saying, I think it was Bill Joy at, uh, at Sun who said this, he said, they realize one day that most of the smart people don't work for their company. <laughs> and you know, in a world of however many billion people, we have 12,500 employees, that sounds like a lot, it's a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket. And so most of the really interesting, smart ideas are going to grow up in the community, not just inside our company. Participating in the open source world gives us direct access to that. So it gives us the ability to bring in new ideas, new technology, incorporate that in our solutions, bring that back to our customers. All of that's very important. Equally important, open source provides a new way for us to influence the rest of the marketplace and the rest of the industry by contributing to open source, by being active in the community, by helping form the direction that goes in, we can really be an influence and a force in the industry. And you can see that already in the activity we have going on through OpenStack uh, in the storage stacks. And oh, yeah. I think there's an opportunity for us to take back the leadership we had in the storage world for many years in a different way. The, the, the old model of building very uh, you know, deep moats around your castle through protected proprietary intellectual property, I think that's gone. Now the real model is how do I create the, the biggest um, community, you know, all those farmers who are outside my castle, they're farming the land. I want them to be part of my community so that I have the most powerful ability to influence the marketplace. Mm. And open source provides a unique way for us to do that uh, because Increasingly, people are coming through their education, through school, other companies, they're touching this code, they're used to it. If somebody shows up at NetApp tomorrow and they've been working in OpenStack in their previous job or in their, or in their own experience, they can be productive, contribute to our community on day one. Yeah. And from their own point of view, they can build a career and when they move somewhere else, they can continue to be engaged with us because we're a part of that open community. I totally know what that's like because that's actually how I found NetApp. You know, I found NetApp through a, a open source project writing a PowerShell toolkit that, that managed NetApp controllers. And then that eventually became a product and then I got recruited. You know, it, when I came in, it's exactly what you descri described. Day one, I already knew what was going on because I was helping to build it before I joined the company. Uh, so, so I absolutely agree with that. I love to see us uh, play in that space and, and, and trust it because I think that's the big problem is, is, is having that faith to take that leap and, and as I said, release, release that IP. You know, not stand behind patents, but just stand behind great end results. I, I think you're on a very important point, and that is that the value that we bring to our customers in the future is going to be less about the proprietary intellectual property we've created and much more about the value we can bring from a, a whole toolkit. Yeah. Some of it ours, some of it other people's because of our broad knowledge and deep knowledge of the customer problem and the technologies. And that's a different, it's a different game than, than technology companies have historically played. The barriers between organizations and companies and even between suppliers and customers and between 
users and developers are breaking down. The whole DevOps movement is a great example of that, yeah. even within a single organization. As those things break down, the way that we provide value is going to be much more in collaboration with our customers than as a supplier of proprietary technology. That's a hard change, but I think we've got to go through it and we're, we're positioned extremely well to be successful in that new, new world. Outstanding. Okay, so final thoughts here and then, then we'll get you back onto your extremely busy day. Uh, what do you think of Insight? I'm really impressed. I mean, I, uh, I've participated in industry conferences for a long time. Uh, was 13, 14 years ago, I joined Veritas and we had a conference called Vision, which was somewhat similar to this. Yeah. The thing that, I, that was great about Vision in the early days, and I see that with Insight, is it was really still a technical conference for the practitioners, whether those be customers, our SEs, our partners, everyone was here to interact with the people who built the product, who run the product, and really understand it at a technical level. Uh, no offense, you're, you're part of the marketing team. It wasn't a marketing conference. It was yeah. a technical conference. And that's what I see with Insight. It's really that still that technical engagement. Customers are here to learn how to get the most out of the technology and the products and to find solutions. Partners are here for the same reason. And our own employees are here to learn more about what we're doing and share among themselves and with the customers and partners. And that creates a, a unique kind of buzz uh, you know, we're, we're not here selling something. We're not here, you know, promoting the, the corporate marketing fluff. We're here nuts and bolts working on how to use the technologies we have, the products we have, the solutions we have to create the best value for customers and partners. Yeah, I, well said, well said. I mean, that, that lines up with my very own sessions. The sessions that I'm presenting, I don't have anything that I'm giving this week that isn't a, I'm, we're here to teach you how to fish. We want you to go and leave this world, and, and when you leave this week, not have to call us to do this. We want you to go be successful, leveraging the solutions and products we bring to market by ourselves. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been outstanding. We're going to have to get you back on the show in a, in a slightly longer format, uh, so we'll figure that out at a, at a future date uh, when we get back from Insight. But thank you so much for your time today, Mark. Thank you. It's been great, and I look forward to doing a longer show. Cool. That's a really great interview. You know, Mark has done, uh, he, he really impresses me. He was an RTP not too long ago. I had the privilege of being up on stage and uh, I, I was a panelist to tell the rest of NetApp about the great things, the great feedback that we're getting at Insight and in particular US Insight. And while we were up on stage, Mark and I were talking about, he, he's writing a book. And uh, if you didn't know this, his book is on innovation. Right. Mark is one of those guys who he understands how to foster a culture of innovation. He understands how to make all of that happen. And to have him here at NetApp, that's fantastic. That's great. So it's really, really exciting stuff. And I'm, I'm very happy that he's here. The thing, the thing that just blew my mind was within like the first 35 seconds of us starting the interview, he just comes right out and was like, I don't know the future and that's okay. I don't need to. Exactly. Because here's, here's our plan. This is what matters, and this is what we focus on. And, and, and th for me, that just, that, that just filled me with, with warm and fuzzies and, and confidence because you know, that, that, that's where the risk is when you try to get a little too far out. I, I think as an industry, we should stop with the whole like, you know, 9 to 18 month roadmap and 18 to 36 and then 5 to 15 years. Like, who cares about what your plan is 15 years from now? It's not going to be there exactly. by the time you get there. It's just a wasted, a wasted human exercise. That's like that, that question you always get. It's like, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I can't tell you where I see myself in Christmas, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
You know, uh, years ago, you remember when we worked together previously, Glenn, I, I wrote a piece of software that we used to do analysis, to do predictions on capacity utilization. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you remember the web page that displayed all the data. The header at the top said, making predictions is hard, especially about the future. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Uh, that was unfortunately a, a public portal that all of the executive staff could access. So we had to make it very clear that we may need to do an emergency buy uh, because a new project came in. Like, don't trust these graphs. These are just estimates. But yeah. the tool we were working with wasn't nearly as sophisticated as on-command insight. Uh, perhaps those graphs, would, would we wouldn't have ne needed such a disclaimer uh, if, if we had slightly better tooling. But the point here, it, it, to, to wrap my, my ramblings, because it occurs to me that I'm rambling like a fool tonight. The whole, the whole big picture for me today, uh, having the opportunity to sit down uh, with Mark and, and, and kind of get his take. You know, why he joined NetApp? Why he, he was at a great place. You know, he, he pulled roots and said, you know what, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to go join these guys. I want to go be part of that team, right? And then he got over here and, 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 and just dived right in and, and took the reins and said, all right, this is what we got to do. This is the plan. Let's get the right people involved and let's just start moving. We sit down and talk to customers who, who are basically implementing the data fabric, you know, let's call it V1 uh, architecture. It's mostly uh, snap mirroring and disaster recovery use cases. Uh, get to talk to them about how those business models are actually working. And then we sit down at the very end of the day and, and, and listen to uh, our, our original founder, uh, Dave Hitz, uh, get on stage with, with uh, Joe Caradonna and show off uh, futures. You know, something we've never done. Yeah, that's, that's usually not what you do at a general session. Yeah, yeah. Just, just flat out like, hey, here's something that we've got working in the lab and at some point maybe we'll actually be able to ship to you. <laughs> so we I, think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but times are changing. I mean, it's, this is not your daddy's net up. I mean, we are, we are it, getting back to the startup culture. I mean, I, we're not a startup, but no, we're getting yeah. to that culture. So it's day three then, tomorrow's day four, the final day. Day three, you know what that means? That means it's the NetApp party tonight. It is the NetApp party tonight. What I hear doing? it's Oktoberfest themed. Uh, listeners, I guess this is going to be it for us today. Uh, as always, send any emails or questions you may have to podcast at netup.com. Send us your tweets at netup. Uh, and, and be sure to, to keep your eye on the RSS feed. we got some exciting stuff coming. I will make a suggestion to you. So since a lot of us have long flights on the way back, go ahead and download some of the podcast episodes you missed. Listen to them on the plane. Perfect time to listen to stuff. Oh, yeah. I think it's beer and a breadstick German style. What do you think? Yes, yeah. sir. we got a train to catch, gentlemen. All right, let's do go. it. Tschüss. Let's party. We're going to do it. Let's do it. Okay.